it's Chris Wendelkin, and this is On The Line, my NBA podcast where I talk to friends of mine living around the country about all things hoops. We do some NBA deep dives, drafts, and news from around the league. Thanks for tuning in. If you're new to the show, you can tweet at me at onthelinepod underscore pod. I'm on Instagram. If you got any uh, NBA-related questions, uh, you like the show, you, you want to share an idea a bit, uh, you can always email me at onthelinepod at gmail.com. Last, if you could please rate, review, subscribe to the show on iTunes, wherever you get podcasts. I greatly appreciate that. All right, we got a great show for you today. My buddy Tony Hartman is on the line. Uh, I apologize. We're running a little late today, just getting this out later in the day on Monday. Um, just a bunch of scheduling stuff coming up. And uh, of course, I'm still under the weather here. So I apologize for sounding as disgusting as I do. But I hope you guys are doing great. I hope you're enjoying your NBA season thus far. It's as exciting of an NBA season as we've had, uh, you know, th- through a first month or two that I can remember ever, maybe. So um, let's just dive into it. Let's hop into it. Let's give a call to my good buddy, the biggest LeBron James fan in the world, the one, the only, Akron's native son, Tony Hartman. All right, we're back on the line. Uh, on the phone is a guy who is a self-described NBA nihilist. We're hopefully going to give him a little, uh, little, little reason to find some hope and meaning in basketball. Welcome back to the show, the one, the only Tony Hartman. Tony, what's good, my man? Not much, man. Um, to add to that, yeah, I mean, my NBA nihilism is very recent as to this year, <laughs> and it's a feeling of peace. I think you know, as peace, I've been on the show quite a few times as a huge Cavs fan, right. As a huge LeBron fan, going into the season, I fully knew it was going to be like uh, that season of The Office after Steve Carell left. Oh my god! Put when James they put Spader James Spader in. in there, yeah, yeah, it was. It was. I knew it was going to be weird. <laughs> it wasn't going to be quite the same. Yeah. And my expectations were like, well, it's going to be more entertaining than most things God. I could watch on TV or pay attention to. So you and so I that's, are that's like... kind of where I'm at. Yeah, we have... <laughs> as fans of the show know, we are huge Seti, uh, Chetty, Seti, Osmond fans. And Jenny. if nothing else, this season we are getting what we want, which is the development of Chetty. And he's been injured. I know he's been injured the last like couple games last week or so, but... On the whole, yeah. I have to say it's been really great to see him get some run. Um, but uh, yeah, man, there it, we we have a lot to unpack today. Uh, so we're gonna circle back with the Cavs eventually. But um, a bunch of stuff has been going on. But I, I I would be remiss as a Knicks fan, and I know this guy maybe has a special place in your heart as well. If we didn't discuss a little bit of the situation going on with Carmelo Anthony, and. Uh, you know, everything that's gone down with him and his career and him and, and now losing his spot with the Rockets. So for, for listeners who maybe don't know what we're talking about, the Houston Rockets and 10-time All-Star, six-time All-NBA forward Carmelo Anthony uh, will be parting ways after only 10 regular season games. Coach McDintoni said, um, you know, basically he had, he was giving uh, playing time to, to rookie Gary Clark the last week or so. And D'Antoni said, you know, Melo is trying to make the necessary sacrifices and, you know, it wasn't fair to him as a Hall of Fame player um, to to accept like this diminished role. So they're they're parting ways. So, Tony, initial thoughts when you heard that Melo was going to be, uh, I guess, back on the market after 10 games in Houston. Well, back on the market I, is a very generous way to put <laughs> yeah. his situation. Um, I mean, it's a bummer, man. Like, I've never been 
a huge mellow fan, but I think for guys like us mm-hmm. and probably a lot of others, we're from a very specific generation and like era of NBA fans where like mellow is I'm pretty sure almost exactly my age. Yeah. Same with you. Yep. Yep. I would assume. So it's weird to look at it like that, like these guys that came in that LeBron mellow class, so many are out of the league already. Yep. And you know, it's it's weird. Like this is Wade's last season, mm-hmm. and arguably Dwayne Wade would be in the exact same position had he not gone back to Miami, the Miami Heat, for you know his own kind of like marketed farewell campaign. Um, but I don't know. I don't watch. I didn't watch enough Rockets. I didn't watch enough Thunder last year. Yeah. to have like an opinion. Like, yeah, is Mello is Mello like constantly injured? I know like he dealt with injury no. in New York, but like, I mean, what is it? I mean, like, I, I want to talk about his career on the whole and kind of like what's gone wrong. But I think in a nutshell, it's not quite this simple. But the fact of the matter is, like, he's not an efficient player anymore. You know what I mean? And yeah. and there was always like a very fine line of him, you know, his value is so predicated on his um, efficiency. And, and, and the fact is, like, Melo's value in the league was being a high volume scorer, you know, like yeah. he was a guy that took 20 shots a game. It was like Allen Iverson, you know, it was like yeah. Allen Iverson's value to the 76ers all those years was like, he's going to take the majority of the shots. He's going to shoulder the majority of the offense. But the second that stops being an efficient thing, then all of a sudden he's sucking shots away from people who are like a better option. And so, like, I I don't mean to generalize too much, and we can dive more into specifics, but, like, I I, I think in a nutshell, that's that's kind of what happened with the guy, and, um, you know, like, let's just, let's just begin, let's just begin in Denver and, like, work our way quickly through, like, the Denver years and the New York years, and then kind of, like, quickly what's happened in the last two years between OKC and Houston, but, you know, I just... Lots of people have been pouring it on, you know, with Mello this past week. And, you know, I, I think in part it's rightfully so. He hasn't always been the most, like, gracious athlete. You know, this is like a guy – I was comparing him to Allen Iverson a second ago. He could, like – he could showboat at times. There were there were definitely moments, you know, for the vast majority of his career. not even moments. vast majority of his career he was largely, like, stat-focused, you know. Um, and he – I also think he was, like – at times maybe a little ignorant of his like image in the league that he was like a ball hawk, (laughs) you know, like he had that Kobe mentality of like, just get me the ball and clear out. Um, and you know, he had, yeah. So he had the Kobe mentality paired with this MySpace generation mentality. God, that's perfect. That was so, it was so uniquely mellow. Um, I, you know, I, I'll always look at him as the guy that, was like a deadly shooter mm-hmm. war war funny hats mm-hmm. and whose personality I didn't really understand at all. It always um, seemed like he didn't understand how much his personality was not resonating with people around him. You know what I mean? That's amazing. Yeah. I, and I think I, I also want to remember, I think that we can get to a point where we choose how we want to remember Mello. And to me, he will always be, so much more New York than he was NBA star, if that makes sense. Like yes. when I think of the ultimate New York celebrity, uh, it's it's Mello. 
Wow. Yeah. I mean, you know, talking heads love to point out that like he never won a title and the other premier talents, like, like you mentioned from the 2003 NBA draft, Wade, LeBron, LeBron and Bosch, they all joined up in Miami and, and they won titles. And, and the fact of the matter is like Carmelo never did that. And, um, so I think it's like easy to, to look at that and sort of gloss over the impacts he had on the league and his career. But like, just looking back on the Denver years, I mean, like before he got to Denver in 2003, 2004, the Nuggets were a complete laughingstock. They finished that season before he arrived with 17 wins. They were tied for the worst record in the NBA with the Cavaliers, ironically enough. And Carmelo got the Nuggets to the playoffs every year he was in Denver from 2004 to 2010, including as a 19-year-old rookie. Um, and, And that's like easy to forget that the guy came into the league, Tony, and he was immediately a star like he was immediately productive I'm, I'm not talking about like oh he looks promising you know he's got a lot of talent he's got a lot of potential in the way that we kind of talk about rookie you know it's like we look at guys like uh deandre ayton or 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 carl anthony towns you know what i mean we're like oh he's got a lot of potential he's got a lot of promise maybe in a couple years the team will be like on the right track carmelo anthony came into the league and he averaged 21 points six rebounds and two assists as a rookie and got his team to the playoffs yeah it's that that was a point where him and lebron it was almost like a one or the other oh dude it was like neck and neck there was a debate at one time about like who was going to have the better career i I know it's obviously laughable now but there was a point at which even when they were high school prospects you know on the AAE circuit there was like a debate about like who was the better player and you know like it's easy to look back now and obviously like laugh at that but like you know I mean let's just talk about the playoff runs that that Melo had you know like he had a series of you know from to that like I said from 2004 to to 2010 in Denver he took his team to the playoffs every year he had a series of first round disappointments um, with with the Nuggets, including a, a couple teams that actually won fifty games. And you know, one year he he and the Nuggets eventually got out of the first round in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and they wound up getting all the way to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, and they eventually lost to the Lakers in six games. Um, and then after that, it was a series of first round exits. Um, and then he eventually requested a trade after the two thousand ten. 2011 season but like the first i don't know six seven years of his career were very productive you know he's making all-star teams every year he was a consistent like 25 point a game scorer and then of course he he requests a trade he and uh, chauncey billups wind up going from from denver to the new york knicks at the trade deadline and um you know, I, I, I think the story with the, the mellow Knicks is like there it's it's a two part story, you know? It's like there were the playoff runs from two thousand ten until two thousand thirteen. And then I would describe the two thousand thirteen to two thousand seventeen Knicks as like the dark ages, you know? Um yeah. but that at that initial run there were, you know, some memories. I don't know. It's it's not like there was nothing there. I mean they they uh, obviously um, you know famously paired up uh, Amare Stoudemire and and Carmelo Anthony and uh, that first and year Bar- Baron Davis I believe yeah Baron Davis eventually got there too uh, that first year they played uh, the Celtics in the first round and they were swept four games to none the the year after that 2011 2012 was the Linsanity year 
Um, the losing kind of continued. Mike D'Antoni resigned. Mike Woodson stepped in. Amari winds up punching the fire extinguisher, and the Knicks yep. lose four games to one to the Heat in the first round. The year after that, the year after that, the 2012-2013 Knicks. I actually think this was the most fun, interesting, well-constructed team that was ever put around Mello, at least in terms of the, the New York Knicks. Like that was the team that was mostly veterans and three-point shooters. And they 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 kind of figured some stuff out. That was the team with like Chris Copeland, Raymond Felton, Jason Kidd, Marcus Camby, Steve Novak, uh, Amon Shumpert, Kenyon Martin, Rashid Wallace, Kurt Thomas, Pablo Prigioni, JR. And they, yeah. they surrounded Mello and Tyson Chandler and Amare Sotomayor with this like team of like high character vets and three point shooters. And um, you know, they went that that was the one year they wound up getting to the second round. They beat the Celtics in the first round and then famously lost to to the Pacers in the second round. And that was like the high point, to be to be honest with you. And then from there, like I said, it was the dark ages. You know, um Mello opted out of his contract. And uh, Phil Jackson gave him a five-year extension. And it was just a series of, like, stat-padding, injury-plagued seasons. You know, like, there's, there's, there's no way around it. Like, Derek Fisher came in. Jeff Hornacek came in. Right. Chris yeah. Porzingis emerged. And by the summer of 2017, um, Melo demanded a trade, and, they, and, and he was sent to Oklahoma City. So, um, you know, like that's kind of like his career story in a very quick nutshell. Um, but God, man, I mean, can we talk about Melo and LeBron a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I want to say, yeah, real quick, as a Knicks fan. Um, by the way, when you call me, the image that comes up is still uh, Knicks Melo. I don't think I'll ever change that. Great. But as a Knicks fan, and this might be the the recent NBA nihilism in mm-hmm. me talking, but like when you look back. Yeah, and you think about it, was the garden popping with Mello there most of the time? And if so, you should look fo- back fondly. Yeah, on Mello. I think uh, honestly, it's it's um, it's a story in two parts. I think like I w- I was always so excited and enthusiastic about those first couple of years. I I I honestly think if you gave Knicks fans truth serum when. When we acquired uh, Carmelo Anthony in 2010 for that 2010-2011 season, I think we all knew what it was, and it felt familiar. And I, I think the reason yeah. it felt familiar was because, like, I think we all thought that this was, we all knew that this was like Patrick Ewing 2.0. You know, it was like what we were essentially signing up for was we're going to have a good team but not a great team you know like we're we're going to have a we're going to have a team yep. that competes with the the Michael Jordan of our league you know in this case LeBron James and and those Miami Heat teams we're going to compete with the 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 Michael Jordan of our time and we're probably not going to ever be good enough to to beat those guys but we're going to go down swinging and for the first 3 or 4 years it was kind of fun i mean that 2012 2013 season especially the first half of the year man like it, they were really enjoyable to watch, and there was something. There was some momentum. Even I don't think anyone ever deluded themselves into thinking that we were going to win titles. But the real sin, you know, the real mistake was signing that extension, the five-year extension that Phil Jackson gave yeah. him in 2013 was like the poison pill, because Melo opted out of his contract. He was 29 years old, and you know this is kind of before the Warriors. Um, you know, took the league by storm and the league was, 
you know, LeBron, LeBron playing um, small ball in Miami, I think was like the beginning of a sea change in the league. And I think, um, you know, when when the Knicks paid Mello, it was before we really understood where the league was moving, which was like, if you can't shoot threes at an efficient clip, you're dead. That That's the yeah. state of the league. You know, in 2018, that's the state of the league. Like, if you're an inefficient two-point shooter, like, you don't have a place in the league. And that's avel- eventually what Carmelo Anthony became, was like an inefficient post player. And... um yeah, so I, I I think when you ask like, do I look back fondly on those on those mellow years? Like I would say the f- the first couple were really fun, even if it was clear that like we weren't going to win a title. But the last three or four were just awful because we knew it was just we were paying like a bloated star, like we we were paying like a guy yeah. past his prime to just. It was empty calories. He was at, you know, he would go out there and score 25 points a night and we would lose and it didn't matter. And uh, it was very reminiscent, honestly, of what like the end of the Kobe era in LA looked like, I think. Yep. I mean, can, can we talk for a sec about Melo versus LeBron? Yeah, I mean, I mean, when do you think that stops being a thing. a thing that anyone would even consider? God, I mean, I think... I think pretty early. You know, I, but here, here's what I'll say. Like, Melo... Melo always was unfairly compared to LeBron. You know, like, they were in the same draft class. They were good friends in high school. They played along each other, alongside each other on the AAU circuit. And they were picked, you know, they were selected two draft picks apart. I think LeBron went first overall and Melo went third overall. Melo won the title at Syracuse, and LeBron was the most famous prep-to-pro prospect in the history of American sport. Um, but the reality is like they played the game entirely differently, you know, they had a different, they had different approaches on the court. They had different effects on the game. You know, it's, it's sometimes easy, I think, to see this stuff like years later in hindsight, but LeBron really developed into a, his game really developed into Magic Johnson's and Mello, his game was always like more closely resembled someone like Bernard King or like a jump shooting Vince Carter or Paul Pierce. Yeah. And, you know, like, so to compare them, they really felt like apples and oranges. Like, Melo was not, Melo was never going to play like Magic Johnson, you know, and, and LeBron was never going to be, LeBron was never looking to, you know, play like Paul Pierce or, or even Kobe Bryant for that matter. And LeBron yeah. went to Miami, he won all the titles, and it never happened for Melo. And, you know, Melo kind of tragically <laughs> settled in in New York and got this, like, cushy contract when he was 29. But, the fact of the matter is like, I don't know. There are lots of athletes who like settle for the money and don't ever win titles or rings. And, you know, like that's the story with lots of greats, you know, Barkley, Malone, Ewing, Stockton, Iverson, Dominique Wilkins, all these guys, like they had great careers and they never won titles. And I don't know, we can still respect like the effect that they had on the league. Um, but it was always going to be unfair comparing him to LeBron. For sure. And wh- why do you think Melo fell in this bucket? And I think this can happen to any superstar, but it, it's always weird when someone goes from like the guy you build a team around, like as the star to like this weird, funky journeyman, like, oh, should he just retire? Like kind of it happened with Allen Iverson. And I feel like yeah. Iverson was the first superstar I followed that I saw that like, oh, this guy might play on 
three teams in a year and a half. Like what, crazy. what happened? Yeah. Um, okay. So what, what happened? So with Mello, I think it's, I think there are a couple, there are like two or three, two or three things at play. One, which I mentioned, which is like the game has changed. Like stylistically, the game has fundamentally changed. I think like the increased ball movement and emphasis on the three-point shot has made the mid-range 18-foot two-point jumper an inefficient shot. So like coaches are never draw, you know, like coaches really aren't drawing up plays for their lead alpha dog player to take like a 18 foot jumper, you know, like it's, it's either, you know, take a corner three, drive to the basket, try to get fouled or, you know, like pick and roll and alley-oop. But there really isn't like no one, no one, you know, like Patrick Ewing, you know, like that player doesn't exist in the NBA anymore. So I think one, one, one reason why this happened is like, cause the game changed stylistically. The second thing I would say is like, which I mentioned before, Melo's efficiency has fallen off. He hasn't adapted his mentality. And the reality is like, he's used to taking 18 to 20 shots a game. And that was fine when he was shooting 45%. But last year in OKC, even with like a scaled back role, he was still putting up 15 looks a night, but he was shooting 40%. Now that maybe doesn't sound like such a big deal, but when you're taking you know, 15, 20 shots a game, the difference between 40 and 45% or the difference between 47% and 38% is actually pretty big. And this year in Houston, he was taking 12 shots a game and, you know, shooting barely 40%. And the reality is like those looks need to go to other players. And the third and big thing that I I just haven't heard discussed with the, like the whole Melo saga thing is like Carmelo Anthony was never a good defender, but now sure. more than ever, he's like a total defensive liability. So he's old and he's unathletic. And, you know, it's, there isn't a place in the league for players who are inefficient scorers, but on top of that, who are inefficient scorers, who are like major defensive liabilities. Like how can you play a guy 28, 30 minutes a night who shoots 38%, but on the other end of the court is just like Swiss cheese, you know, like it, it just, it doesn't make sense. You can pay a guy way less money to be that unproductive, you know? Do you, do you think he's done? <sighs> I hate to say it, man, but I think his best move is going to China. Do you, you don't think there's a way he folds into this like already very aggressive Philadelphia 76ers team as just like a guy that can knock down some shots and okay. get some veteran. And I say, I use leadership lightly because he's also <laughs> never been known for his leadership. But like he, those guys might think he's cool. They definitely think he's cool. It's good to have him around. Yeah. They definitely think he's cool. You tell me, man, I'm going to turn the question back to you. Like what team in the league would be okay with what team in the league wants to sign up for giving Carmelo Anthony 25 to 30 minutes a night to play terrible defense and be like an inefficient scorer, maybe a guy who puts up 15 points a game. Is it like, like the Pelicans, like the 76ers? Is it the Lakers? Like, haven't we seen at this point that he, you know, this idea that like, no stars all let's just get a bunch of stars on the same team and they'll figure it out it's like yeah guys i'm pretty sure 
the Oklahoma City Thunder said that. And I'm pretty sure the Houston Rockets said that. And yeah. Like the statistics are pretty much bearing out that this guy can't defend. He's not as efficient and effective offensively as he was when he was 26, 27 years old. He's 34 now, you know? I mean, if you put him on the Lakers, how do you justify giving him shots ahead of like Kyle Kuzma or Brandon Ingram or Josh Hart? Um, I don't think you do. I I think the Lakers, (laughs) like it's such an easy thing. Like, oh, maybe like, LeBron will be happy if he has a friend thrown on that team. I don't Isn't think that he what cares. this is think, all about. Like, yeah, Clay just giving no, these think, guys friends. Like, is that can't we just pay them to be friends but not give them roster spots? Like, I, isn't there like a workaround? I think that's where we are now. I think getting into it. I think Buddy Ball and the Super Team, like guys that are like the whole banana boat thing, is sadly, I think a thing of the past. I think they tried it last year getting Wade in Cleveland. Uh, so, you know, LeBron had his buddy with who him. Else, I don't think, who else was I don't on think the boat? LeBron liked it. It was Chris Paul, Mello, yeah. and LeBron that were on the banana boat? And Gabby and Union? And Wade? Well, I, yeah, there's a weird thing where I don't know. One of them wasn't actually Wait, on the boat. was Mello not on the, the boat? Picture. Yeah, was Mello taking the picture? I, n- maybe. It, it, it Somehow, Mello plays in the banana boat, whether he was in the picture I'm going to Google but, this. Banana boat. Uh, yeah, let's just Google banana boat and see what I get. Banana boat LeBron yeah. is what I want to Google. Image results. Okay, here it is. I got a picture. There it is. So I got Gabby Union on the front. We got Dwayne Wade in the two spot. And the three spot is Chris Paul. And and up the rear, we got LeBron. And so that, I'm leave, I guess that leads us to believe that... Carmelo is taking the picture. We'll just go with that. Um, I know that was always a thing in Cleveland where people made jokes that Kevin Love had to take all the Jesus. pictures of them hanging out. Yeah. Um, so Melo's maybe that personality in their group of friends. But like, yeah, I, no, I think LeBron is very aware that it, it would be of no help to him or his current team to have Carmelo Anthony there. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I see working is him, you know, doing some limited minutes somewhere like the Sixers. The Sixers. Yeah, where like maybe like Jimmy Butler would be like, you know what? It'd be cool to have Mello here for the year or something. And it's no one's saying whether it's a good idea or a bad idea. It's probably bad. Um, but that's the only way I could see anything it, making sense. It feels like Iverson in there is like a tragic nature to it. Yep. Like there is no good solution that makes you feel, you know, like. Or like a Tracy, it feels like the way Tracy McGrady's career ended. Like, yeah. do you remember McGrady signed like a, with the Spurs for like a playoff run like a week before? Oh, yeah. yeah and it was just like, yep. they were just being nice. You, you know what I mean? It was like, let's just be nice to this guy. His career's like on its way out. And I don't know. It just, it, it does make me feel sad. Um, that's what, yeah, that's 100% what Philly would be doing. And in my prediction might do yeah. with Carmelo Anthony. And if not, then I think this is the end of my it's like ball a, as we know oh it. God, it does feel like a lifetime achievement award or contract. It's like, we don't really think you should be on this team, but we have too much respect for your legacy to see you just go to China right away. So just come here, wear the warmups shoot jumpers during, you know, like layup line and we'll see if we can get you 10 minutes a game. Yeah. A, a month ago, I would have said the Lakers will probably need some shooting so it could work, but I completely don't. Uh, I, I won't go that route yeah. now. All right, let's press on. Um, I, I, I want to talk to you about LeBron and Kyrie and the Cavs, but before we get there, Tony, we can't escape the fact that, you know, Draymond Green and Kevin Durant had this sp- 
this major blow up, this incident the past yep. week. And now suddenly the Warriors are reeling. So uh, this past week, after refusing to give up the ball to Kevin Durant in an overtime loss to the Clippers, Draymond Green reportedly told Kevin Durant, we don't need you. We won without you. Leave. Of course, referring to Durant's impending free agency. Tony, is this the beginning of the end in Golden State? Golden State is now losers of three in a row. They've lost their last five of seven games. Are, are we worried? Are we hitting the panic button? Where do, you, where do you stand here? Man, I would never worry because like many others, I would love to see that team come apart. But I, I got to say, I'm a little pessimistic that it's as big. As, one, I think Draymond Green sounds like he was behaving like an elementary school student, which he happens to do. Yep. Um, you know, that's, that's nothing new. <laughs> um, you know, I, I just feel like if there's three things that can happen. One is that somehow, you know, I, I very much believe Kevin Durant has no idea what he's going to do after this year. I think he's probably going to end up staying. And this is probably just something that the narrative will be like, look what they got through. You know, everybody said they were an untested team, but they were tested during this blow up with between Kevin Durant and Draymond. That's what they're going to say when they win the championship this year. And probably when somehow it works out that, Kevin Durant resigns. Alternately, I think there's a very good chance um, that he will leave. Wow. And in doing so, he's already got this like everything I do pisses people off. I think he there's a good chance that he does leave and he comes to LA to play with LeBron. And the dude could win five. Wait, championships wait, wait. In a row. Did you just say play with LeBron in yeah. LA on the Lakers? Yeah. You think, think about it. You think that could he, coexist? You, know, could, you think that could work? Absolutely. Oh I think God. they want I think they want it to happen. Um, do they think, like each other? Yeah, absolutely they do. And it, they're, it's in the background of people's narratives enough to that people would be surprised. But I, I think they like each other a lot. They, they've they been filming stuff together. They did an uninterrupted project last year. Oh, the, he, the thing in the, the lift, the Uber, the lift? Yeah. Yeah. He was the first person LeBron picked for his all-star team. Granted, he had the first overall pick, and who else would you take besides Kevin Durant? But I think if you're Kevin Durant and you everything you do is already like going to piss people off, like if I had his weird mentality of like, I mean, he's a weird dude. He's very insecure. Like that's um, obviously come to light several times. Yeah, I think he's like, well, you know what? Fuck it. Like. I won three championships on the super team. Everyone is pissed off. I'm going to go play with LeBron and try to win two more in a row. I think that could that could happen, but it's more likely he does figure out a way to just stay and make everybody involved in that team happy. Another thing that I think could happen is they trade Draymond this year, mm. and just like everyone's pissed off in the moment, but then you know they win a championship. They they keep a lot of the core together because they're still going to win a championship without Draymond Green. Um, and, you know, I don't know how that sits with Steph and Clay. I think Steph and Clay are really the true two guys that are like very socialist in the sense they're like, Hey, we really do just want to win. And we enjoy being this like completely incomprehensibly good basketball team. Um, I think Draymond could go either way, and I think Kevin Durant could go either way, but I think those are the two guys that really, like, or, at the end like of the day, the just, just want the, yeah, they just want the Warriors to be the greatest team and, and to have fun. Yeah, 
Interesting. Okay, so Curry, um, let's talk a little X's and O's. Curry remains sidelined with a strained groin. He will be reevaluated in a week. Steve Kerr said they're going to be extremely cautious bringing him back. I, I've i done a little reading into this. I think he'll be out another week to 10 days, but he'll eventually get back. Um, yeah. And Draymond Green is currently out with a toe sprain. It sounds like he it's a day-to-day thing, but I do kind of wonder if this isn't also about getting him some time to clear his head and to cool off and let the team cool off. I don't know, man, but um, I expect him back in the next game or two, but dude, the reality is they just lost to the Dallas Mavericks the other day. (laughs) And then, and then on Saturday um, or no, excuse me, Sunday, they lost to the, to the Spurs. And I went back and rewatched both of these games. I mean, Tony, like it's apparent to me that, I mean, the first game in terms of the in terms of the the Mavs, the Warriors let the Mavs hang around, and and the Mavs, you know, the the Mavs played inspired. They played over their heads, um, and I I can't help but feel like the Warriors just don't have enough firepower without Steph Curry on the floor. I mean, they had guys like Livingston, Iguodala, Quinn Cook, Jonas Drebko. These are nice role players, but they're not meant to be featured guys. And the offense largely was just like giving the ball to Durant and letting him just try to work. And that's great, but it's not, you know, that's not going to win every night. And I'm, I don't know, I, I'm surprised. I, I got to say, I'm surprised that Clay Thompson isn't being featured more. Um, there were stretches in that game against the Mavericks where it was like Clay was on the floor with, with um, Looney, Quinn Cook, uh, uh, um, Livingston and Jonas Drebko, and he just wasn't getting shots. And, yeah. you know, like the fact is like when, when those are your teammates, they're going to deny, they're going to deny clay any sort of open look. They, they would much rather have Looney or cook or Livingston take a shot. And I saw ball with Durant. Like it's just very predictable, man. Like there's the no, yeah, there's no yeah. secret. There's no secret about what's going on. Like, they, there's no secret about what the game plan is coming out of these timeouts. It's like they lob yeah. the ball into Durant. Everyone clears out. He drives to the basket, hopes to get fouled, puts up an acrobatic shot. Maybe he gets, maybe he draws contact. Maybe he doesn't. But I don't know. Like in that last possession of the game against the Mavs, they were f- trying to force the ball into into Durant. He, they were denying him. They somehow managed to get the ball to Clay, and. You know, he took a shot. He took a, contest, a contested baseline jumper, and he missed it. But it felt like when he got the ball, he hadn't touched it in ten minutes or twelve minutes. And you know, I wasn't totally surprised that he missed the shot. And um, I don't know. I don't know. It just—they just do not look like. I'm stating the obvious, but they just don't look like the same team when Curry isn't on the floor. You know, like when they don't have that lethal number two offensive option. It's a very different team. It it honestly looks a lot like the Oklahoma City Thunder, you know, like yeah. Um and and the same for the game against the Spurs, like you know, the Spurs looked deeper than the Warriors. They were deeper than the Warriors in this game. You know, they had LaMarcus Aldridge, Rudy Gay looked great, DeMar DeRozan was playing like bonkers, Marco Bellinelli looked good, Patty Mills, Pau Gasol, Bryn Forbes, outside of Durant and Clay, 
it's like, where is the Warriors' offensive firepower? Are, are we expecting a big game from Iguodala or Jarebko? Like, that's those are the guys that play are playing major minutes right now. With the Warriors being, you know, suffering through injuries from um, from Draymond and and Steph. So, I don't know, man. I I don't know if this is the beginning of the end, but I do know that the the Warriors are not a championship team if if Steph Curry is out for an extended period of time. Without him on the floor, they can't win a title. I know that's kind of stating the obvious, but it's like clear as day when you see it. Well, yeah, I mean, I think he will He will be on the floor. He'll be and back. I think what, what's really funny about that team, if this is the beginning of I just some think, sort of unraveling. You know what it is, man? It's just like a reminder. You know, like Steph is going to be back in a week. He's going to be back in two weeks. So whatever. Yeah. Like, obviously, this is like a lot of... You know, like we're we're like being all up, you know upsetting the apple cart and everything, but the reality it's just like a very good reminder of how important he is to that team because without Steph Curry on the floor, Durant is a much less effective player. You know? Yeah, I think uh, it's it's worth noting that if this is like the beginning of the unraveling of that team, that uh, it all started because they love the regular season so much that. <laughs> They were willing to get in that explosive fight over the end of a meaningless regular season game. Of course. Yes. All right, dude, let's do it. Let's talk LeBron and Kyrie. So LeBron James is going back to Cleveland uh, to play the Cavs on Wednesday for the first time since he's joined the Lakers. And this morning, the Athletic put out a piece about LeBron James and Kyrie and how the Cavs trading of Kyrie to the Celtics was basically, as LeBron put it, like the beginning of the end. Yeah. And I'm curious um, about, you know, you read the article, what you thought of it. Um, ba- ba- basically, like the the gist of the article is like when the Cavs moved away from a LeBron-centric decision-making team, um, he knew it was like time to go in so many words. <laughs> And, uh, and yeah, so I'm just curious, like what your thoughts on the piece was and if, uh, yeah, what you're thinking as LeBron returns to Cleveland for the first time with the Lakers. I thought it was a great piece. Uh, nothing tremendously surprising. Mm -hmm. I think it had been said before that like once the Kyrie trade was, was botched, which like, there's no other way to look at it. It really was. I think I was optimistic at the time that I was too. Yeah. If it had to happen, but then, you know, I was tuning out the fact like, yeah, they traded one of the best players, I'd say a top 10 player in the league to, they traded them away to the biggest threats in the East, at least at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, they did call out that that was specifically like, not only was LeBron against Kyrie being traded, because of what could have been a thing like, just get him to camp, just get him to camp, we'll yeah. figure it out. That might have been the angle beyond repair at that point, but yeah to i could definitely say i was like yeah if you're gonna trade the dude don't trade him to the celtics like that's that's ridiculous um nothing was surprising that but what i thought was like really interesting is that this is essentially the first time lebron is stating on the record basically like i left because of dan gilbert which everybody knows but i feel like this is the start this is the first time he's straight up saying it yeah. Yeah. It had been much speculated and much rumored, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, you know, the article lays out in pretty clear terms that like, um, the reason that, you know, they, there is, it's, it seems like there's some, uh, 
conflicting opinions about what did and didn't happen, but it's alleged by, I think the article says, five different people who were like in the room when the conversation went down. Kobe Altman told LeBron that he would not trade uh, Kyrie to the Celtics, and then within minutes of that conversation, the trade went down. And basically, the article explains that like, Kobe Altman was brand new to the job. I think he had been on the job for a couple of weeks or a couple of months at that point. And basically the trade was made by Dan Gilbert. It was not made by yeah. Kobe Altman. And once LeBron became aware of that, you know, it was like the writing was on the wall. That's it was like, okay, then I have no leverage in this situation. You know, like if, if Dan Gilbert is the one running the show, then yeah. if I can't have input on trade decisions, because Dan Gilbert isn't going to listen to me, then there's no point in me staying here. Yeah. And I, I think another angle I'm looking at it from is, as you know, I, I said last time I was on the pod, it is out there in the universe um, that LeBron, Rich Paul, and a special group of whoever they can assemble will buy the Cavs in the next, I'd say, three years Incredible. is my guess. I think it'll it'll be towards the back end of this this Lakers contract. I think it's all setting up for this. But do be mindful of the fact that this article came out where, like I'm saying, it's his first kind of public shot at Dan Gilbert. Um, he he says right and he's like, you know, Kobe Altman's only been on the job for X number of days. It, I don't fault him for it. That you know you don't have to read between any lines that he's saying like, no, 100 percent, this was Dan Gilbert's fault. Um, so that comes out on Monday of the week. He's going back to play his first game in Cleveland as a Laker. Uh, tomorrow, ESPN is releasing a docu-series mm-hmm. about Rich Paul, Maverick Carter, and LeBron's like close group of friends. The day before they air, you know, his first game back in Cleveland. I think this is all part of the positioning to say, like, hey. Dan Gilbert is not a good owner. He's the the downfall of the organization. Me and my crew, it's going to take a bit, but we're coming for the Cavs. Wow. Market. That's, wow. That's my... Well, yeah. this has been your position for a while, that like this whole thing, him going to... Like you have said in the past that you felt he... LeBron going to the Lakers was about eventually like bottoming, bottoming out the value of the Cavs so LeBron could go back and buy them one day. Yeah, I think that's definitely part of it. Well, the Cavs, <laughs> the Cavs are officially in a full rebuild. They are 2-12. and 12. The, yeah. They are the worst record in the NBA. Um, give me a quick thought on your, you know, give me a quick thought on the Cavs. I don't know how much you've watched them this year. Kevin Love is hurt. Are we expecting Kevin Love to finish his, like, is Kevin Love going to see the end of this contract with the Cavs? Is this about them eventually flipping him somewhere? I don't think they have any idea what, I don't think Dan Gilbert and Kobe Altman have any idea what they intend to do with Kevin Love. I think Kevin Love is probably understandably pretty peeved that he was at least sold on being somewhat competitive because it's a team with good basketball players for the most part, I wasn't expecting, you know, them to compete in the East, but I was like, this is a team that could win some basketball games. They are not winning basketball games. Hey, obviously. I, I just want to point one thing out. No one criticized Kevin Love for taking that contract because he no. won a championship. And I just want to point out those same people definitely criticized Carmelo Anthony for taking his contract. And it was essentially the same principle. It was like, 
You're, twi- yeah. you're, you're 29. You're never going to get paid like this again. Sign the freaking contract and worry yeah. about winning later. And uh, I just want to point that out. You know, like when yeah. you win a title, it is funny how, you know, quickly people look past um, decisions that are clearly about finances more than winning. So just want to point that out. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and definitely that contract was not without criticism um, from a lot of people. Sure. But I think in Kevin Love's, I, I think if any of the vets have any right to be a little, you know, have any ill will is I don't think anybody wanted Tyrone Liu to be fired, at, at least on the team. I thought that was another kind of like head scratching move where it's like, yeah, he's not the greatest coach, but he, one, you know, he's very recently a championship winning coach. He was probably the perfect coach for that uh, LeBron Cavs team um, just because I think he just fit in as part of the overall ensemble like really well. And maybe he wasn't the right coach for like kind of a rebuild, but why not? Like, why not keep, you know, the, the vets that are sticking around happy if, if they enjoy having him as, as a coach and why not give him the chance to try to coach and develop young guys i mean literally like, like I, they're, I that they're, was pay, yeah. they're paying him they might as well it's like they're paying him and it's like crazy money like they they may as well like have him coach the rookies i don't i don't know have you seen much of colin sexton what do you think of him thus far i think it's way too early to make a decision i never was ready to hang my hat on him yeah. um and i think it's yeah it's just gonna it's gonna be a weird year in general. Um, I'd like to see him make some noise. He looks pretty good. Like he makes the kind of basketball decisions you would expect mm. from a 19 year old with very little previous competitive basketball experience, but I'm not writing him off. And I think most Cavs fans are optimistic about him as at least a piece of things coming back together. We'll see. Uh, you mentioned it's going to be a weird year. So, on that note, where do you stand on these Cavs City Edition jerseys? For I think they're, dude, I think they're awesome. <laughs> oh my God. I do. I think like when they first came out, I was like, this is going to be such a funny thing for people to react to amidst all the other terrible things you could react to about the Cavs. So for the, the, court, the listening audience, good, for the listening audience at home, can we just describe these a little bit? So they are, I would say... Uh, I, I mean, they are bright orange and royal blue. There's like a zigzag across the across the chest and the word Cleveland in script. I mean, I I I can't support these, Tony. I'm sorry. Um, they do look very silly. They look very very silly, if you ask me. Um, but I think we I think we need silly right now. Yeah, maybe um, you're right. Maybe that's what they're getting at here, that this is just going to be a silly year, and they're just going for sort of gimmicky, distracting things that are going to take the focus away from, like, the depression of the, the the team being so bad. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they essentially look like if you took the Knicks colors mm-hmm. and did the, the weirdest, worst thing with them possible. They, they look goofy, yeah. Yeah, but honestly, like seeing them on the court, they're kind of cool. And I'll tell you what, it would not be fair to talk about, you know, the Cavs struggles and, you know, this this whole kind of rebuild and rebrand mm. that's going on with the team and not give credit to Tristan Thompson oh, yeah, man. for stepping up and he he really wants to lead that team and he has been man, he he's has been, been great. there. Yeah, and he's the last guy from like the old terrible Cavs. 
Um, and he looks cool in those uniforms. I'll say it. Does he? Um, all right, Tony, quickly, let's talk before I let you go. Let's talk. Um, I don't know if you've had time to look at them at all, but the Jimmy Butler new look Philadelphia 76ers, it's still early, but Jimmy Butler, man, I don't know. It, it looks like he belongs. It looks like he's a great fit in Philly. Um, you know, he made his home debut on Friday against the Jazz. He looked great there. And he was absolutely clutch when it mattered most on Saturday against the Hornets. It might be, that might be the game of the year. I don't know if you caught it. Um, Kemba Walker, I think, scored 60 or 62 points in an overtime loss to the, to the Sixers. Oh, yeah. Jimmy yeah, Butler unreal. comes up with a key block against Kemba in overtime and then sinks a game-winning three with 0.3 seconds left in OT. Really fun to watch. So the Sixers went 3-1 and one this past week. Um, just any general thoughts you have on, on the Philadelphia Sixers? Are you, are you a believer in this big three of Joel Embiid, Jimmy Butler, and Ben Simmons? And do you think they can do some damage in the East? Overall, yes. I, as I mentioned before, I think big threes and, and buddy ball and teaming up, I think that's dead. I think it's a thing of the past. But I think this is a pretty organic pairing where Philly's a mean town man and Jimmy Butler's a mean dude yeah I think it's gonna be a good fit and, and I will say and, the one thing that they are decidedly not or like, like they're not buddies like this is not you know what I mean it's not like yeah it's not like Joel Embiid or Ben Sim. first of all I don't think Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons necessarily even like each other but it's not like they were like yeah go get Jimmy Butler he's my friend it's not like it's not like Chris Paul recruiting Carmelo Anthony or it's not like you know, yeah. Dwayne Wade, it's not like LeBron recruiting Dwayne Wade where it's like, you should get him because he's my pal. It's like, yeah. you should get him because he's what we need. Um, and Jimmy Butler, you know, like he's a, he's a slasher, man. He get, he is one of those guys that you can hand him the ball with the, like, it, it, I, I just thought that game against the Hornets was so, it's like a microcosm of who he is. Like you want the, that's the guy you want with the ball with the clock winding down. He can slash to the rim. He can hit open jumpers. He's everything that Ben Simmons isn't. Yeah. Um, and he's a gritty, gritty defender, man. Like he's a two way player and he, uh, I just, I just think it's a really good fit thus far. Um, the one thing I'll say is like, the Sixers watching the Sixers this week, it's very apparent that they are depleted. Like they need, they need depth, um, on that team. They're, they're really lacking. They're starting Wilson Chandler at the power forward. They're giving him, you know, they're giving regular minutes like Mike Muscala and Amir Johnson. And, uh, so I just think they, they need some more bodies. They need some more shooting. I know there was talk of maybe adding, trying to add someone like Kyle Korver, um, Corver would be great. Yeah. Corver would be good. I would good. love to see him end up there. Corver would be good. What they really need is like, frankly, what they need is Robert Covington. They need a three and D guy. You know what I mean? Like, Corver's good. Corver can hit an open jumper. He can hit an open three, but he's not much of a defender. And like, they already have that with JJ Redick. They already have a guy that can hit threes and not really guard anyone. So what they, what they really need is they need a true three and D guy. I don't know where they find that person. Maybe, maybe it's Landry Shamit. Maybe, um, you know, maybe it's someone that's already on their team, but I, I'm curious, you know, I think it's going to, they're going to be one of those teams that vets look, uh, you know, like once, once veterans are start being, are bought out, um, out of contracts, maybe Philadelphia becomes a destination for, for vets. But um, I think uh, I think you could see them pulling 
Corver and Jr. for pennies somehow. Oh wow, that'd be interesting. Uh, yeah, t- Tony, I think before, it works. before I let you go, I want you to guess a couple of 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 lines here. So these are the games for tonight. Um, I want you to tell me who's going to win this game and how many points you think they're going to win by, and I'll tell you what Vegas thinks. So we have Boston at Charlotte. Who you got and by how many points? Boston by seven. Boston by seven. Vegas says Boston minus three. Okay, so then we have Cleveland at Detroit. Who you got and by how many points? Cleveland at Detroit. I'd love to say the Cavs are going to bounce back <laughs> for this one, but I, I like how Detroit's been playing. Uh-huh. You're I'm not going to like this line, I'm telling you. Detroit by 11? It's Detroit minus 10. Uh, wow. Utah at Indiana. Who you got by how many? Oh, that's a that sounds like a good game. That's like a that's a sleeper hit. I was uh, wrong on this. I, game. I guessed what it would be, and I, I was wrong. Who's the home team? Indiana, Utah at Indiana. I still I'm gonna go with Utah by three. Good call, man. It's Jazz minus three and a half. Then we got wow. Phoenix at Philadelphia. Phoenix at Philadelphia. Uh, Philadelphia by seven. Philadelphia minus eleven and a half. Wow. Jesus Christ. Clippers at the Atlanta Hawks. Clippers have been kind of on one, haven't they? Yep. And you know the Hawks are tanking. Yeah. Clippers by, I'd say six. Eight. Dallas at Memphis. Memphis has been sneaky good, man. Don't sleep on on the Grizzlies. I was, I didn't, I will say I, I have been sleeping on the Grizzlies. I wasn't aware that they've been, you know, they're, they're playing okay. They're playing all right. Always a gritty, likable team. Yep. I'm going to say Memphis by four. Three, minus three. This is the game I love tonight. Denver at Milwaukee. Oh, Milwaukee by six. Milwaukee minus five and a half. Good. Nice. San Antonio at the Pelicans. I haven't been following the Pelicans too closely. Like I, but they I'm got off say, to a great start. Yeah. Um, I think they win by five. Minus seven and a half. And then the last game of the night is OKC at Sacramento. Oh, man. Uh, Russ is back. Russ is back, but it's his first game back. I'm going to say Sacramento by three. Sacramento. No, OKC minus two and a half. Wow, that's a surprise. Wow, okay. All right. Um, Tony, anything you want to plug? Where can people find you online? You're on Twitter. You're on Instagram. Anything you want to plug or where, where can people find you sure uh twitter is always the most fun place okay. for me on the internet um Great. at least to exist maybe not to read what's happening in the world but uh tony underscore hartman okay on all those platforms sweet and uh who are you rooting for on wednesday night will you be wearing are, are you rooting for the Cavs? Or are you really rooting for lebron and what is the what is the reaction that the cleveland crowd gives lebron on wednesday night man that's i think it's going to be a I don't want to say a great game, but I think it's going to be a good experience. Just because I remember the the Heat LeBron return to Cleveland Awful. was a in was a major yeah yeah that was a major cultural turning point for me as a native Northeast Ohio person to where I was just like that was the moment where I was like this is wrong like yeah it is wrong to treat a local individual like our native um, son like our yeah yes yeah. I don't expect it to be anything like that. I think that there's going to be tremendous respect shown for LeBron. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think he's probably going to drop 44 points. Great. Um, give me a give me a standing ovation from the from the from the Cleveland faithful, and then I want a triple double from LeBron. 
in a yeah. closely contested game. Uh, Tony underscore Hartman. You can find him on Twitter. Tony, thank you so much. Uh, enjoy Wednesday night, and we will check in with you later in this NBA season. Hell yeah. Always a pleasure. All right. Good talking to you, buddy. Bye. Later. All right. That was Tony Hartman. Tony, you're the best. My name's Chris Wendelkin. This is On The Line. You can tweet at me at On The Line underscore pod. I'm on Instagram. Please rate, review, subscribe to the show on iTunes, wherever you get podcasts. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Enjoy the basketball. And I will talk to you guys next week.